We're back for season two. Yes, it's bigger. It's badder. It's... Oh, just get on with it. Bad scripts. Hello and welcome to a Bad Scripts podcast. Steve Jones here again, one of your hosts, and joining me as always, my co-host with the most. It's the one and only Mr. Mike Garlier. Hi, Mike. How are we? Hi, Steve. I'm very well. Thank you very much. And how are you? I'm very good, thank you. All ready for another collection of scenes from the Last Resort saga to really uh, bring to life this this first part of season two been so lovely the the feedback we've had so far about uh, the episodes we've done so i'm just really hoping everyone's going to enjoy what's uh, what's coming up it can't be any less pervy uh, from some of that feedback we got and and you know with the with the wayne and kelly situation and i'm glad that uh, people got the right intention on that one and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> found it absolutely disgusting and horrible but in a funny way um because that that was the intention behind it Absolutely. I think we have to sort of um, laugh at the absurd and the uh, and the gross sometimes. So, you know, and, and people people do these things behind closed doors. So, you know, if you haven't seen it, we're not going to spoil episode two. So go and check it out now if you haven't already. And keep it behind closed doors. Now, I do have a little confession to make, Steve, actually, and I hope it doesn't change our dynamics too much. OK, I'm, I'm, I feel a bit blindsided here, but but far away so normally our dynamic is you record in the uh, in the sunny region of nottingham and i'm up in scotland for this episode i'm in london you are that's right the the, the jet setter that you are but but i mean there's another little secret there you did actually record the last one in london as well so it's not that much of a super surprise but uh well, do you know, I was uh, I was trying to sell our jet setting lifestyle there. Um, <laughs> but yes, you are right. I am frequently visiting London um, for work, I might add. But uh, and right now, I'm coming from the 19th floor of the hotel, overlooking the the Shard and the uh, and the Gherkin and and all those wonderful sights. And close the curtains so I could concentrate solely on your wonderful and angelic face. Well, you're obviously getting a little bit of altitude sickness there, if that's what you're seeing through the camera. But there we go. Anyway, Mike, <laughs> let's move on to the to the uh, to the last resort. Um, I I guess it's it's interesting. We introduced some new characters last week, three new camp coats, um, and we didn't really talk about them as as characters when we uh, when we did the script. So we've got um, Ali and Paula and. It's Haley, Ali, and Paula. Hap. I was thinking, as I've just liked to call her, or uh, Pa, if you want to opposite. Pal. La, 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 pa. I was just going in alphabetical order, so never mind. But there we go. So Haley um, is a bit of a. Well, she seems like a bit of a go-getter. Really, really happy. Clearly has a history with uh, with the with the resort, and the, because she's just so happy all the time. I think. Ali, you know, well, if anyone's listened to the special where we had our guest Ali Riley on, they'll know that we we wanted to honour her with a with a character. So um, I guess there's no 
it doesn't take a great deal of imagination to, to say that we didn't even change the name that much, but we did get Ali's permission um, as well to, to include some of her and some of us a uh, great story into the show as well. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, Paula, and how would you describe Paula as a character being so, so new into this? Uh, she's the, she's a, a yummy brummy, I guess you could call her. Um, she's a little bit more um, sarcastic and, it's just kind of there for the ride, isn't? I think she's the the ying to um Paul Paul uh to Paula's Haley's Haley's um Yang. She's kind of the the opposite. She's not as fussed about it all. Um, don't get me wrong. She'll do a job. She'll work hard. She'll be a good camp coat. But I think she's a lot more, yeah, just chilled about it all. I'm like, yeah, I don't see the big fuss, but she just gets on with it. And they play, they're going to play a, uh, in their own ways, a pivotal part in the stories going forward, which we're not going to reveal just yet. Uh, um, but they're going to be, you know, they're going to change the dynamic a little bit. And, I, and, and that's always the, 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 the case. You know, we, you, you would have noticed we've reviewed some of the, the older characters and brought in some new ones. And, um, and I think that's the right thing to do. Not replacing like for likes. We can't retread old stories. But I guess, you know, we, we wanted to explore a different, a different side of people than, yeah. than we usually do, you know? And, it, and it's that changing dynamic as well from the people that, that were there before to the people that are there this season and, and, and just see what the those relationships and interactions are like. So it's all good. Um, one, of, one of the unknowns that we got, though, was how much people responded to the return of Margaret. Yeah, everybody loves Margaret. And I mean, we love Margaret because she is obviously based on on real people. And and anybody that listened to one of last season's specials will know that, you know, um, a lasting legacy that Margaret has. So it's uh, it's something that that we we, we love to have those regulars because they did. They came back year after year. They came back week after week um, and they lived and breathed the resort. So it's nice to have them back and to be to having new storylines there. And, and Margaret's going to play again. Uh, an important part in this season too. So stay tuned for that. Well, given your range of accents, Steve, I promise I won't suggest a scene where they're all in the same scene just to hear <laughs> how you would jump from accent to accent. Because you're getting yourself in a bit of a hole here. You know, you've got Brummy, you've got kind of Dorset, West Country. You've got, um, you know, um, Mancunian in there as well. Yeah. I get out. I'm just wondering. There's probably going to be some some Irish. I think have you not have you not played someone Irish already? I, I attempted uh, an Irish accent, I, and I must um, send an apology out there to a friend of mine, Brona, for um, butchering the 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 Irish accent. So I do apologise, Brona, for that if you're listening. So but I think your you. accents are getting better, and mine are getting worse. To be perfectly honest with you, I think I've just accepted that. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. But what I will say <laughs> is that's a great segue into our first scene because Daisy is back, our wardrobe manager. So well worth sticking uh, by. And uh, let's get straight into the scene. Interior, wardrobe department, day. Daisy is hard at work pinning bright day glow material to a tailor's dummy. Next to her is a drawing of costumes as she hums and mumbles fog on the tine quietly. She scrutinises her drawing and then turns back to the dummy, accidentally stabbing her finger with a pin, cursing under her breath and recoiling quickly. Sorry, Steve, just before you go into that, um, 
what fog on the tide? What I, I can't. Tyne. Tyne. Yeah, it's a river in. Have you never heard the song Gaza sang? Gaza did a cover of it. No, can fog you? Fog on the tide is all mine, all mine. Fog on the tide is all mine. Come on. So how would she hum it then? <laughs> ah. <laughs> she's doing it. You know, she's mumbling. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Got you. Thank you. Uh, you did that just purely to make me sing and hum it. I know. So you know your your tricks aren't uh, um, aren't, aren't aren't passing by unnoticed. We'll, we'll Old habits that. die hard, my friend. Old habits die hard. Okay. Well, we're going to go back so we can uh, be sure we get that right. She scrutinizes her drawing and then turns back to the dummy, accidentally stabbing her finger with a pin, cursing under a breath and recoiling quickly. I've had a few nasty pricks in my time too, dear. Daisy, startled by this, spins round to see Bernie stood in the doorway. Bernie, Bernie de Costa. Bernie walks into the space and minces his way to Daisy. Hand outstretched. Oh, you've no doubt heard of me as being veterans of the stage. Daisy, with a mouthful of pins, nods her head in agreement. And I, of course, know all about you. I just loved your designs for Underground Overground. Uncle Bulgaria, mm, masterpiece. We weren't surprised the, jo the show bombed. Terrible idea, uh, but, but not your fault, darling. Daisy smiles, but looks slightly confused. And now look at us. Both here, working tirelessly to roll a turd in glitter. Bernie looks around the department, touching costumes as he goes through the rails. Daisy removes the final pin from her mouth. Hurry, Pit. Is this something I can help you with? Bernie dramatically pivots on the spot as he turns back to face Daisy. Ah, uh, just looking to get acquainted with my new best friend. You and I shall be joined at the hip. What are you uh, working on currently? I've got a boyfriend, Lake. You're eight. How <laughs> oh, I do love the northern humour. I mean, designs, costumes. Well, I'm just doing some stuff for Judy Lake, the cabaret show. Oh, are you now? I can show you if you like. Not, not necessary, darling. Uh, stop everything at once. I have something better. More in keeping with your um, amazing talents. Oh, yeah. What's that, then? Oh, plenty of time for that. Just putting you on a uh, retainer. Robin enters the wardrobe wearing just his jacket and shirt. Trousers over his arm as he walks towards the ironing board. Bernie immediately sees him. And who is this a fine specimen? Robin looks over and waves. Hi, I'm uh, I'm Robin. Well, well, hello. You're Robin. My heart stood like that. Come over and introduce yourself properly. Robin obediently walks over, still not wearing any trousers. Robin is one of our most talented like. Bernie looks him up and down. Are you now? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm a camp coat here. Bernie gives a dismissive look. But I'm also in a boy band. Oh, how original. Does the world need another boy band? 
tell me what what's what's your name? Uh, Robin. Uh, of your group? Um, well, we're called Fusion. Never heard of you. A answer me this, Robin. Was that always your dream? Oh, God, no. I, I trained at Lionel Blair's Dance Academy for years. Oh, Lionel, Lionel, great guy, wonderfully talented. Uh, listen, young man, this is the best advice I can give you. There's a lot of young men like you vying for a top spot in a professional production. I've helped many of them on the way up and brought many down along the way. If your dream was to be this, congratulations. But if you want something more to reach the top, then you really have to be committed, ruthless and dedicated. Drop the dead weight. Stop wasting your time on childish endeavors and focus. When you're serious, then you come and see me and we'll see how good you truly are. Robin looks down, unable to respond. Bernie winks at Daisy. In the meantime, I expect to see you at the open audition next week. This is your shot, darling. Grab it by the balls. I, I will. Uh, of course. Uh, thank you, Mr. DeCosta. Call me Bernie, darling. Bernie throws his scarf across his neck and dramatically leaves the room. Wow. Hey, wow. Now aim your kegs and get to work. Yes, Daisy, uh, sorry. Interior, green room, day. Donna is sat in a chair, sipping a bottle of water, and dressed in the bottom half of Moo the Cow. The top and the udders are lying next to her on the sofa. She is fanning herself down and looking rather sweaty. There is an onslaught of activity around her, as the newer campcoats enter, laughing loudly, followed by Adam and Dan. Dan immediately walks up to her and kisses Donna on the head. All right, love. Oh, don't. I'm really sweaty and horrible. He exuberantly nuzzles her on the neck, making a snorting noise, which makes her laugh. <laughs> I'll pack it in. <laughs> the campcoats turn around to face the two. Oh, that's so lovely. Oh, you're so lucky, Donna. Huh? Look at Ailey, moving on a man already. No, I would never. I didn't mean it like that. Kelly walks into the room and pins the rotor on the board. I've made some changes. Any problems, directly to me. Before anyone can speak, Kelly walks out of the room. Everyone gathers around the rotor and vies for space to scrutinise their shift patterns. Haley forces herself to the front and begins quickly writing down the information. We've been shafted, well and truly. Uh, my day off is a Tuesday. And I'm on a Friday. Monday. How am I supposed to get from 10-gallon saloon to the main venue in five minutes? <laughs> you just need to run. What, when we're performing in the main venue? It takes him an hour to do his air. Cheeky fucker. The boy band show is a big deal. We've got to get that sorted, mate. Well, I'm not even there. I'm supposed to be at five aside. It's got to be a mistake. I'll speak to Mark. I think you should go to Kelly. Why? 
well, she did say go to her if you have a problem. Well, do you have a problem, Haley? No, I love my rota. I'm just happy to be here. Please, Fia, keep your nose out. Haley looks upset. Out of order, mate. Apologize. Sorry, mate. I'm just a bit annoyed. Haley, apologies. I didn't mean to snap. Yes, he did. He did. He did. He's a he's a twice. <laughs> Haley smiles at Dan, nods at Adam, and leaves. Donna watches her with curiosity. Oh, this is like the worst rotor I've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Guys, guys, you're not looking at it. Us three have got every crappy shift. Early's and late's. Damn, we won't see each other. Every day, either you or me finishes at 1am and then on at 7 the next morning. We've even got fairground duties in the afternoon. Fairground duties. You weren't at the briefing yesterday. We need to man some of the rides to cover for lunch breaks. They reckon it's only temp until they recruit people. The new guys have got all the good shifts. She can't do that. She already has. Well, someone should have a word. Who? I'm not. Don't look at me. I'm not exactly her favourite person. She made that very clear. All right, all right. I'll do it. Leave it with me. They both look at Dan. <laughs> Good luck, mate. Probably best to just leave it, I think. Can you uh, mention I have a doc's appointment? They all look round at him, surprised he's there. Who the fuck are you? Oh, sorry, it's Richie P. Arrived today, meant to be doing footy coaching, but now a campy coat and stuff. What does the P stand for? P. You know, P-E-A, as in mushy, you know? All uh, right, I'll call you mushy then. Nah, don't be a dick. Richie P or Marafat. Richie winks at Donna. There's silence. Promise you'll just leave it, Dan, all right? It's not worth it. All right, all right, I won't say a word. Catch you later, Mushy Pete. Dan leaves. It's, uh, Richie. <laughs> not anywhere, Mushy. Welcome to camp holidays. Okay, so. <laughs> Woo! That was a that was a that was a that was a strong couple of um, scenes in terms of uh, accents and different people from around the uh, the United Kingdom. So apologies for everyone having to keep up with us there. But um, it's, like, it's like a around the country trip, isn't it? Um, it does feel all like all these characters coming to a head. But mm-hmm. um, I think we've seen. <laughs> I think most of the characters have appeared in in those two scenes. Yeah, that's that's the, a lot of the camp coats there, aren't they? And. Uh, I think we kind of expected when when Kelly decided she wanted to take on the rotors that it wasn't going to pan out well for her, uh, as she sees it, her nemesis. So, so going back to that last scene, then um, when she's with Wayne, premeditated. I don't know if it was premeditated because he came to her, but I think she spotted an opportunity very quickly, and so her. Kelly. Her thought process is very fast, so she's gone. I know how I can make this work to my advantage, which I think is the way she does everything, you know? Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I think it's really in keeping um, 
in character for her as well. Mm. Um, but also, as we now know, it's well, it's, it could be a hard season for our, our trio of uh, returnees um, because, you know, as as Kelly's pointed out, it's you know they've they've got these these terrible shifts and. It did happen without grudges. It, it genuinely did happen. Um, you know, I remember getting some some god awful shifts. You know, where you'd, you'd finish really late at night, you'd, you'd then be on a breakfast show and have to be there at six in the morning, and you're getting mm. like five hours sleep, and then you know you're going to be on all day and talking to people. And <laughs> at the time, you just didn't think about it, did you? You might have had a moan about the rotor, but that's how you just get on with it because it was just normal and, and, and a way of life. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. It, I think it gives you a work ethic, though. It makes you understand that, you know what, you have to work hard. And people see the, the coat-type entertainers and they think, oh, they just swan around, work a couple of hours a day. I don't think they, people always appreciate just how long a day it is and that you're always got to have that face on, that you've always got to be that that smiley, happy person. So it's it can be a challenge at times. So... Yeah, I think it's important that you get across that that side of things as well. And uh, I hate to destroy the dream, ladies and gentlemen. Every one of those camp coats that, uh, if you've ever been to one of these resorts, were probably out the night before, had two hours sleep, taking copious amounts of mints and mouthwash, <laughs> and then uh, and then are entertaining your children. Yeah, absolutely. The tough reality. So Bernie DeCosta then um, making moves in the wardrobe department. Yeah, I think he's he's uh, he's wanting to get uh, Daisy on side, isn't he? Because if he's got to have costumes for his for his big production that he's got to come up with, then he needs someone of Daisy's ilk to be able to to do that. So it's understandable that he would be uh, be trying to create an ally out of her. I've I've also got to say, mate, and I and I do hope this makes the cut. Um, Writing Bernie has been easier than we thought it was going to be because he's just landed on the page as this fully three-dimensional character. <laughs> but you do play him in such a way that it does conjure an image in one's mind. Um, and I think it's the way you're bringing it to life. We're just reading those lines because, you know, when you're writing, they're like, we've said this before, we'll keep, we'll keep saying it. But when we're writing those lines, you have no idea how it's going to come out when you actually verbalise it and it could mm. work. On, and as we have always promised our audience, um, from a from a value point of view, we, we always lay down first cut. We don't go back. We don't rewrite. We don't try and make it better and shine it up. We just what you're hearing is exactly what we've written, and then being read yeah. for the very first time. Um, and I got to say, Steve, I thought you did an absolutely remarkable job, especially that big monologue that Bernie gives to Robin <laughs> about his dreams and and all that. So, uh, well done. Well Hold done. on a minute. I'm, I'm just I'm just I'm just going to clear the air. All the smoke you've blown up my ass has got in front of the screen. Right. Okay. <laughs> Let's get let's carry on then. I'm sure the audience want to hear exactly what's uh, going to happen in our next scene. Interior, entertainment's office, night. Kelly is sat in Wayne's chair in what is a deserted office, scrutinising a PC screen and clicking away on a mouse. Deep concentration on her face. There's the noise of a door opening and closing in the background, the sound of clapping and a crowd of voices, footsteps getting louder up the stairs as they approach the entertainment's office. Dan walks past the office, glancing in as he continues on his journey. Kelly doesn't notice. 
After a moment, Dan reappears at the door and lightly taps on the door. Kelly doesn't react. Dan steps forward and taps again. She doesn't move. Dan takes one last step forward, loudly clearing his throat. Kelly finally looks up. Uh, have you got a minute? Kelly doesn't look. Aye. Dan steps up into the office and walks toward her desk. Kelly looks up. Oh, you mean now? Dan stops short. If you're busy, I can come back. Don't be silly. Wait, she's not Yorkshire, is she? Oh, <laughs> don't be silly. <laughs> don't be silly. We've got, must be important. Right. No, don't be silly. I can't say that word, silly. 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 Scottish. Scottish, silly. No, don't be silly. Must be important, right? Dan backs up to the door. Oh, it, it, uh, uh, it's like, it can wait till tomorrow, no worries. Well, it couldn't wait 30 seconds ago. What's up? Dan stands motionless. Come on, we haven't got all night. Dan edges back into the room and sits down. Kelly turns to face him and smiles. So, Dan, what can I do for you? Um, I just wanted to speak to you about the rotor. Kelly doesn't react and continues smiling at Dan. She nods at him to go on. Um, it's, um, well, some of the Colts aren't happy with it. Really? Well, it, it just seems a bit, well, a bit unfair. Kelly sits back, feigning shock. And what's wrong with it? Dan shrugs, looking uncomfortable. So, when you say camp courts, who do you really mean? Kelly, being honest, you've got some of the guys on double shifts. The splits are a bit crap too. Uh, we've all been separated in our days off. So, you're talking about you and Donna? So, you did it on purpose? Kelly sits back. She sighs. <sighs> The shifts have got to be covered. It's just the way it is. Dan sighs too. It just seems a bit funny that it's only us that have done that to. Well, that's to be expected. Dan stands up, openly getting fr frustrated. That's proper mental. You're shafting us because of last season. Kelly smiles. Not at all. Then why? Because you are the most experienced here. You have to show the rest of the camp coats the ropes. Most of them are brand new. Dan sits back down, processing this information. Uh, I didn't think of that. I know. It's hard to see beyond yourselves, isn't it? Dan glares at Kelly. I tell you what. Let me look at the rotor again and move some things around. Would that work for you? You'd do that? Aye. As a favour. For all time's sake. Kelly winks at Donna. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly winks at Dan. Well, that'd be grand. Kelly turns her attention back to the screen. Dan is still sat there. She's typing away before stopping. Anything else? Dan stands up. No uh, sound, thanks. 
Dan walks to the door before Kelly speaks again. Oh, and Dan? Dan stops and turns. Close the door on your way out. Dan, looking perplexed, leaves and closes the door. Ooh. So, Dan has has solved the problem then. Seemingly so. It would appear that's the case. <laughs> it's, you know, and she, she does make a fair point, doesn't she, when she says that they're the most experienced. Well, exactly. And sometimes you can, you, you sometimes have to wonder if, um, if you feel like a victim, you see victimization. So it's like, they're, are they interpreting what's happened as Kelly's intentionally trying to, to do something without considering the possibilities that, there'll probably be other people on that shift that aren't as experienced and they need to be spread around. So, you know, there's the, there's two sides to it and, and, you know, who's to say which way um, Kelly's mind has swung. I, I, I think I have an idea, but you know, we may be surprised. <laughs> so, so look, um, we, we, we're another three scenes in now. Do we do we want to do another one before? We... I think we owe it. I think we owe it one last one to finish the night off because I know the next one is is still this night. So it would it would seem unfair to just leave it there and then rejoin it the next night. We might as well start with a fresh new day. The next I time. think I think a bonus extra scene for our lovely listeners seems like a fair deal, don't you? Interior. Ali's chalet, night. The door swings open and Ali walks in, closing the door behind her as we see 20 past midnight on the digital clock. Ali follows to the single bed and sits down. The room is sparse with just a single wardrobe, bed and door leading to the small bathroom. Well, this is depressing. Dance classes for 16 years and three at drama school to end up in a stinking chalet on 100 quid a week. Talking to myself. Ali reaches over to one of the few personal items in the room, a framed picture of some of her friends. She lies back down on the bed, staring at it. I'll give it a month. See what happens. Off screen, we can hear house music playing from the room above. Somewhere in the distance, the sound of a headboard banging, the rhythmic tune of two people having sex, and on top of that, the constant noise of chalet doors opening and slamming closed. Ali sighs and puts the picture back before curling up fully dressed on her bed. There is a sudden banging noise as someone rattles a door. The music abruptly stops and we can hear the voices resonating down into her room. Bloody hell, Andy, it's nearly half past twelve. It's me day off tomorrow, innit? Well, I'll put four for breakfast duty. That shit. Pulling early's then. All week. Can you just keep it down a bit? I can't afford another one if I'm sleeping in. Simple fix there. Don't go to sleep. <laughs> I would, but I'm bloody knackered. Come on, I got some drinks in. Got some Thunderbirds. That'll get you going. Nah, I can't. Thanks anyway, mate. <laughs> You're only young once, dog. Come on, have a drink with me. I'll get the tunes going. There's a moment's silence. Who's in? Just me. 
Oh, for God's sake, just get on with it. This is painful. Oh, go on then. You got anybody? Oh, yeah. No funny business either. Don't worry, I'll pull out. We hear them both laughing as the echoes of the door slamming reaches Alley Shelley. Within a few seconds, the music starts again. Ali gets up and heads to the bathroom, re-emerging a few minutes later, dressed in her pyjamas. We watch her clean her teeth, brush her hair, and back into the bathroom. A flush of the toilet, and she steps back into the main room. Did she just brush her teeth in the in the in her, in her bedroom and then go back into the chalet? Into I think the she bathroom. walked into the bathroom. I think right. she walked into the bedroom brushing her Still teeth. Still brushing her teeth. That's all right then. I thought she'd just gone sort of mental and gone out there. Well, she was brushing her teeth in the Spitting toilet. on the floor. She, flushed, she spat into the toilet, gargled, and then flushed the drink. <laughs> We've all been there. You don't want to clean the sink, can I? The music is now a Jamiroquai album. Ali nods in approval and turns out the main light before climbing into her bed. She lies in the dark as the sound of bed spring bang through the ceiling, accompanied by moans and groans. Ali covers her eyes. Two weeks. Just two weeks. She places the pillow over her head. I think given the I think given the bleakness that um you know everyone's having sex around her, including you know Dawn and Andy from upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> this is this and this is um this is something that we we never talked about in season one, but um because I think because we used to live in caravans because we were the lardy dars, um <laughs> we we didn't experience the chalet life until sort of our second season, did we? When when they moved us over and um. And you got that sense of everybody's on different shifts. Some people are working into the night. Some people are up early in the morning. And everybody's really young and, and party-orientated, or at least most people are. So there was always noise. There was always hubbub. And there was always something going on. Um, and it kept security busy. That was that was for sure. So, yeah, have you, have you got any... Um, have you got any memories from back in the day of the uh, think, the chalet lines? I'd say what we've captured in that scene was our memories. So when we were talking about putting that together and, and you know, partly inspired, you know, from, from a certain diary excerpt that we heard, which brought back some memories. And um, I know we went, we went back and wrote the scene in because I want, I think we wanted to expand the story a little bit, but my everlasting memory, especially of being on the block, which almost, which almost sounds like you're in prison. <laughs> it did feel like that sometimes. It was the constant noise of chalets opening and closing, but like mm. slamming open and slamming shut, just constant banging. And because con- the walls were so thin and the scenes were so thin, if anyone's having it off anywhere, the entire, <laughs> it echoes through the entire block. Yeah. Um, and that happened quite a lot. And then the constant music. Um, yeah. And like you said, because... You'd, you'd be sleeping and then you'd hear people getting up at three, four in the morning for a morning shift to get ready or go to the, you know, go, go and, you know, onto breakfast duty, whatever. And it was just nice to capture that, that broader sense of story that there's more going on than just the entertainment's business. There is all these people working and all getting into all sorts of mischief that God only knows what, you know, um, well, there's a there's a spin-off to write. <laughs> there's, a, there's a spin-off to write. So Andy, Andy and Dawn getting their fun away. Um, 
but that was really really normal and i you know i remember overhearing a conversation not that dissimilar to that where the girl was having a go with the guy swearing at him and saying i've got to get up in the morning and he was like oh just come and have a drink with me and stop being such a bitch and she went okay and then they started going <laughs> at it and you're wow. like you're, you're laying there going i can't believe what i've just heard you know and well it's i'm just I'd just like to apologise for that now, Mike. I was young and and impressionable, and I, I shouldn't have done it. But there we go. Yeah, were you the one slamming all those doors shut as well? Uh, <laughs> as, as you knocked from, what was it, 12 o'clock at night, you just go down the lines knocking on each door until you found someone willing to take you in? <laughs> that's Hello. Not, Is that's that not me? strictly no. true. Slam. Hello. That's not strictly true. You're, you're exaggerating a little bit there, but there we go. We shall discuss that another time. <laughs> But well, the, the the other bit, the, so again, this this is there is some truth in this because um, I know when I you know I said oh it has to be Jamariquai's album because there was people that lived above me who played that over and over and over again whenever <laughs> they were having sex and I associate that album with people having sex because I heard it so many times. Oh so, dear. That that's why that is. So there you go. There is a little was bit. Was it of truth the in there. was it the return of the of the uh... The reverse cowgirl. Sorry, that was that <laughs> yeah. was a bit of a that was a bit of included. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, <laughs> well, thank you again, Mike, for for your insights there and a little bit of a uh, a reflection on the the reality of we just about come to the end of time for today's episode. So uh, thank you everyone for joining us again. We'll be back again very soon for another episode. Um, of the Bad Scripts podcast. But as has become tradition, it's always important for us to be left with a, a phrase or a word or, or just a leaving note from our uh, gracious host, Mr. Mike Garlia. So, Mike, what have you got? What words of wisdom have you got for us today? Very, very easy for this one. In the immortal words of Bernie DeCosta, if you have a dream, you need to be committed, ruthless, and dedicated. Thank you. And on that note, we'll see you next time on the Bad Scripts podcast. Goodbye. Bad Scripts was written and performed by Mike Garlier and Steve Jones, a Beach Tide production.